I want every white person in this room who would be happy to be treated as this society in general treats our citizens, our black citizens. If you, as a white person, would be happy to receive the same treatment that our black citizens do in this society, please stand. You didn't understand the directions. If you white folks want to be treated the way blacks are in this society, stand. Nobody's standing here. That says very plainly that you know what's happening. You know you don't want it for you. I want to know why you're so willing to accept it or to allow it to happen for others. Hello, Rocketeers. Welcome to the weekly podcast for people craving richer relationships, fulfilling community, healthier masculinity, and permission to create. We are both struggling today with grief, anger, and some shame. And there's a little bit of hope in there, too. And we're wondering if you're feeling some of the same things. We know it's not easy, but let's spend some thoughtful time together getting to the bottom of our feelings around race and what we're seeing on the news and what we're seeing in this country, and let's hopefully move towards some useful action. The teaser you just heard was a recording of Jane Elliott, a former third grade teacher, addressing a group of white people back in the 90s, we think. And listening to it today gives me a shiver and a pang. Her question strikes at the heart of what we see going on in the country today. We had planned this week to talk about creativity. I was gonna I was gonna interview Kelly and get to the bottom of her masters in fine art or masters in art therapy and all of the wonderful things that she creates and the motivation behind it. But the police killings of George Floyd, Tony McDade, Sean Reed, and Breonna Taylor, the unequal way that COVID-19 is affecting and killing black and brown people, and the long-term effect that the economic crisis is gonna have on already marginalized people just won't let us talk about anything other than race today, the third rail in America. And really, these issues directly relate to the pillars of this podcast, particularly around community and masculinity. Anti-racist activists are making it very clear. We live in an unjust and violent system, and it is up to us, the middling white folks, to get off the fence and off the couch and fix it. We hope this exploration will take us in the right direction. We know it's entirely likely that we will make mistakes here today as we talk through it. Um, Later, we're going to talk about two cops who attempted to bridge the gap and act as allies in in recent days. The footage of them connecting with the crowd was amazing. And we noticed a few things that they could have maybe done differently to make it even better. Um, We know we'll make some oopses today. Um, but please know that we are doing our best and we care deeply about the lives and experiences of our brothers and sisters of color. We'll be talking today about our own personal experiences, knowing that white experience so often drowns out the experiences of others, but it's what we have to work with and from. We're not speaking for people of color, but we will be making every effort to invite more people of color to join us on this podcast as we go forward. We live in a very white area, but we feel strongly that we are also part of national and global communities, and we're committed to doing what we can to facilitate conversations that serve all of us and 
we firmly believe that conversations with diverse folks, marginalized folks, folks of difference and diversity enrich us all. Absolutely. Yeah. And today we're going to do our best to create an open space for one another, just just for the two of us sitting here to have a conversation that is challenging. Um, and we want to make it an open space for you, our beloved audience. We're going to bring our usual blend of curiosity, warmth, and empathy to this ep- episode. Maybe we'll even find a little bit of humor uh, Yes, yeah. maybe. We'll, we'll just laugh at ourselves, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah. But you should all know, um, there's, I'm, I'm feeling some pain and some anger. And I, and I know that Kelly is feeling the same. And if it shows up in my voice or if it shows up in your head, please breathe and lean in. If we pull back and stop conversing, stop listening, we're done for and we need you. Yes, we do. All right. The tape is rolling. Check. Compassion at optimal levels. Check that. Curiosity is secured. It is. The microphones are hot. Oh, yeah. We are go for launch. So thanks everybody for sticking in with the Rocket Feather podcast today on Sunday, May 31st, May 31st, the very end of May, you know, as we record this podcast, you know, I'm seeing all these reports for um, protests and disruption in multiple cities around the country, including Phoenix, Arizona. And we're also seeing things like people turning the glass shards into peace signs the next morning and cops uh, engaging nonviolently as well as violently with, with these protesters. So there's a, there's just so much going on and it's causing me to reflect on my path Mm -hmm. and privilege. Yeah. My path and privilege. Yeah, exactly. My, my own personal journey out of, out of blissful ignorance right. uh, toward painful awareness and clumsy action. But we can't have real connection without that. We it's can't. just a lie. Yeah. Without that, without that journey. Without yeah. understanding what everyone is, you know, that other people are going through some serious shit. Right. Right. And all know, the time, all the time, not just right now, all the time. Yeah, I was actually listening uh, Terry Canefield, you know, my favorite Twitter follow. She's a she's a uh, sociologist and teacher. Someone was tweeting at her saying it's never been this bad in America. Oh, come on. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Right. And Terry Canefield was like, for who? For right. whom has it never been this bad? Imagine being a, a black woman in 1850. Dear God. 1920. Yeah. Anytime. 1960. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... You know, I hope, I hope that this painful eruption is going to lead to some change and not just back to normal. Please, please let this be moving us forward. Yeah. Now you grew up speaking in 1960. I mean, it wasn't 1960 when you grew up, but you you grew up in, in North Florida. I did indeed. Yeah. Tallahassee. 
Yeah, I'm a Tallahassee lassie. Um, I grew up in the Deep South. Yeah. That is North Florida, which is essentially Southern Georgia. Um, all my tell all my Florida peeps are mad at me now. Um <laughs> but yeah, it's a different world down there. But what I'm kind of shocked about at this late stage is how much racism is everywhere. Mm. Um, I went to predominantly black schools until high school. Mm-hmm. Um, my elementary school is probably, you know, 60, 40, 50, 50. I don't know. Um, and my middle fifth through eighth grade, I lived out in the country and all of the white families who could afford it sent their kids to the Christian Academy down the street from my house. And the public schools were probably 95% black. Oh, and you know, I, from that experience, I'm so grateful for it because even though I was part of the dominant culture, I think everybody needs to know what it feels like to be a minority. Mm. Um, And it's different. I totally acknowledge it's not the same thing because I could. It's not the same thing being one white person in a room compared to being. Yeah, no, because you can walk out of that room into the rest of the world and you are part of the dominant culture. Right. Um, And even in that room, everybody knows you're part of the dominant culture. Yeah. But. Uh, the thing that I take from that is I just don't like there's a part of me that understands where racism and uh, all of that stuff comes from. But the but the heart of me just doesn't get it mm. because I had friends in those years that are wonderful people. I mean, I, I'm still in contact with Vincent Bird, who was in gifted class with me. He lives in DC. He's amazing. Um, and there are just genuine, real, beautiful people. There were assholes. There were, you know, the class clown. There were the smart kids. There were everything. They're wonderful people. And I don't understand from that part of me that heart of me why people can't just stop being assholes and right. why people would try to keep other people down right and that it breaks my heart yeah yeah so you had you had close personal friendships and and relationships with kind of the the, the full spectrum of a high school community that, well, was that, most, that was I mostly was, black. Well, that was that was middle school. Oh, middle school age, yeah. sort yeah. of fifth through eighth grade, and then I went to I moved back into town for high school. Went to a school that was probably, you know, two thirds white. I don't know. It was probably it was it was more of an upscale. I was a poor kid in school, and but my best friend was black in her family. Like her dad was a colonel or something. I mean, they were yeah. really well well off compared to me. And didn't, didn't one of your friends go to the, go to a black cotillion? Yeah. At least Durham. Yeah. yeah. And she lives in Atlanta now and, um, she's, you know, my soul sister and she, yeah, I went to her, um, her debutante ball Yeah, with her brother, Roddy, who I have the same birthday as, but he was four years older. Yeah. And I, you know, I just can't for the life of me 
from that level understand any of this. Well, there, this is, I mean, this is great because they're, you know, just to kind of back up a little bit, it's like there's a fair amount of research that indicates that people who hold racist attitudes most strongly actually have the least connection with people of color. Right. They just don't know any. So, and mm -hmm. they, all the lies can fill their heads and right. nonsense. And the people who are most afraid of uh, Hispanic migrants mm -hmm. don't live in border towns. Yeah. Have never and met don't live any in border states. It's like people Spanish in Iowa people. and Missouri are the ones who are freaked huh. out about the 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 immigrant caravans you know months ago they believe that that story they believe that story that it, trig they, it triggers a yeah. fear for them right 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 We're, yeah so that's you know the experience of actually knowing people from different walks of life makes it just so incomprehensible right that people would but at the same time i know that i have i think thoughts that are bullshit yeah the difference is I don't believe them. <laughs> I don't believe them yeah, yeah. for very long right. if I believe them at all. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, I think bullshit thoughts. Right. They pop up into my head all the time, but they are wrong and I know they're wrong. And by bullshit thoughts, you mean you mean racist, racist judgments. Judgmental just and yeah, 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 you know, like all, all kinds of judgmentalist thoughts. Yeah. But I catch them and I go, yeah, that's not who I am. Right. That's not coming from my heart and soul. Right. That's just, you know, I don't know what that is, but. Well, that's, and that's something, this is great because I think it's, this can help us distinguish. It helps me distinguish between discrimination and racism. And we get, right. the, we get those all confused. And people yeah, kind of. We, you know, for our purposes, we generally, we, Charles and I, um, identify racism as a, a systemic issue and, right. and being hateful towards people of some, some description is more of a bigotry. Right. Yeah. Right. Bigotry, those are prejudice, two different things. discrimination, whatever. And that's, you know, people get can, people, I hope this can help people look into their own heads, just like you're saying, and kind of like pay attention to what's rattling around up in there and be able to label some of these thoughts clearly. Um, yeah, that's one of my favorite bumper stickers is don't believe everything you think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we men have to have to be paying attention to the things we think about women and noticing when they're not right or, oh, she's just being emotional, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever those kinds of thoughts are. Um, but I, I can't remember where it's going to go. But yeah, that's it's racism is. I think best defined, especially as we're seeing it blow up now mm -hmm. as a systemic s process or a systemic reality that is, it's weird because racism is both founded on prejudice and per leads to prejudice, perpetuates it, yeah. prejudice. Yeah. So I think like your experience in a, in a predominantly African-American middle school and high school you would, you know, if there hadn't been systemic racism enforcing it, there wouldn't be this heartbreak, right? There wouldn't be this continued prejudice against your friends. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one of the formative experiences for me in primary school, well, I guess it was middle school. So I went to, I went to a very small primary and early middle school. There were like 13 kids in a class in Clarkdale, oh, wow. Arizona. That's really tiny. Yeah. 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 
and um, about a third of the kids were white, a third were Hispanic, and a third were um, uh, Yavapai Apache. And the white kids sat in the front. Right. And the Hispanic and, and Native kids sat in the back. And I had a... So that was... So that was one thing, and I was bullied by the by the brown kids, and that's and I got called names based on my skin color. And well, they call on, you. They call me cracker. Uh they called they called me stuff in Spanish. Oh, so you don't even know what you got called? <laughs> I knew they were bad. I knew yeah, it wasn't like, good. You got the tone you know, of it, pendejo or oh, whatever. Oh yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, stupid gringo, whatever. But the that was that was just really personal discrimination on on their part mm-hmm. because of your bad personality or because of because you <laughs> were a little white small kid? and white. Yeah. I was an, I was an easy I was an obvious target. Right. Obvious target. Um, but the the racism actually showed up when Mr. Valdez, who was our social studies teacher, he was Hispanic, but he was like in class calling out Native American. Now, he wasn't calling out the Native American kids, but he was talking about how unfair it was that Native American families got uh, a stipend from the government or Native American kids oh, got wow. a stipend from the government when they turned 18. Or I don't know if it was from the government or from the tribe, whatever. But I'm up in the front row just nodding like, yeah, that's really unfair. Right. Because you haven't you don't know the whole story at that point. And, right. Right. you know, when we're little, we just tend to believe what people tell us. Yep. And he was talking with great disdain about, oh, they just end up in the gutter, you know, wow. drinking. and yeah. Holy smokes. He was you on, guys he got was on a soapbox. Yeah. Indoctrinated by some really gnarly. Yep. Gnarly and it wasn't until there. I went to college and took a, took a class on racism. I was like, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Oh my, I'm in the front row nodding, thinking about how unfair this is and like Yikes. shaking my head at the the moral dissolution of the drunk Indian in the gutter that Mr. Valdez is describing. Right. All of a sudden I'm like putting my putting myself in Anna's shoes, sitting in the back Ugh, row, Tony Reyes's horrible shoes. Horrible for them. Though that's that's her uncle he's talking yeah. about. You know, that's Ugh, Tony Reyes's dad. Sick. Yeah, I can't I can't imagine what it's like to to sit and want to belong, want to be able, I'm guessing, want to be able to kind of nod along with everybody in class and knowing that you uh, don't belong. I'm guessing that at 11 or 12, they neither of them, none of those Native American kids had, I don't know, I can't speak for them. I can't, I just imagine it must yeah. have been terrible torture. Yeah, it must have been horrible. And the, and the racism, of course, is that like, I went on to go to an Ivy League institution and those kids, in some cases, are dead mm-hmm. or in jail or, you know, mm-hmm. not not doing great. Um, yeah. So, yeah. It was really clear. And I I think I spent a lot of my life thinking that I wasn't. And I even forget it now. Like, I feel like, like oh, I'm, I'm white and privileged. I hardly know brown people. And I even forget, like, part of my privilege is kind of like forgetting where and how I grew up and who I grew up with. Right. I don't have any contact with those kids. They're yeah, not kids anymore. They're 50 years old, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. A pause to sigh, right? Yeah. There's There might be a lot of sighing in this episode. Yeah. But we invite you to sigh right along with us. Absolutely. And, and feel 
feel all the feels. I mean, yeah. I feel Charles talked about um, sadness and anger and shame. I feel, uh, I feel all those, but I feel a just incalculable frustration. Yeah. And and not anger. I feel fury at the at the wrongness. Yeah. And at the waste. We're yeah. throwing away people in this country who could be coming up with cures for things and yeah. better ways of doing stuff we need done. I mean, we're throwing away genius yeah. every day in this country because yeah. we allow what amounts to segregation, what amounts to um, a two tiered system. Yeah. Yeah. What least. amounts yeah. to, you know, socioeconomic apartheid to continue. Yeah. Yeah. You were talking earlier before we started recording about, you know, what you noticed in that, in that middle school and high school you went to, you liked it. You felt, yeah, it was you felt, fine. You I mean, it was, but there, they, that school did not have, Oh, it was so poor. It was a, a really poor community. And I think I might have mentioned this before, like on the bus route home, there were kids who lived in shacks that you would have seen in the color purple. I mean, I don't think they had running water. Yeah. And that was for real. Yeah. It was a very poor community, former tobacco town. Um, yeah, now it's like gentrified. Now it's an antique mall, you know, the whole town just about. Right. And so I don't know, I don't know what has become of of the schools and the and the situation there, but the people were great. Yeah, right. Of course, and I, and I think just to just to back up for just a second, I think you know what you said about the waste of of racism the waste of systemic racism in particular, there is that, you know, fury about how just bass backwards keeping people out is. And then there's just like, it's just unjust. Like even if, mm -hmm. even if there wasn't another Einstein, you know, wasted, even the if the practicality there, aside. Yeah, the exactly. The, yeah. The, exactly. It, doesn't, it doesn't have to be transactional. It's just it's not. It, yeah. No. It's just, fucking wrong right just going back to jane elliott like who would choose that right who would choose that for that's themselves? that's the heart of it right there is like nobody in that room stood up yeah and we all know yeah we all know yep and i i get it i mean i get it as as a you know we are right on the edge of struggling we've been charles and i have been financially struggling most of our lives and just in the last few years have we had enough in the bank account that we could repair the car without sweating yeah and repair it at all right yeah. repair yeah and then have which we did yesterday um that we haven't had extra until really recently and we are far from secure in yeah. in in the big sense of it and thank god in in during this pandemic we've had jobs but so we haven't felt 
super strong to go out and and like we're powerful we're going to change the way things are and i think most white people probably feel the same way like i'm stressed out all the time i'm barely coping with my own life i you know i've got enough to do from dusk till dawn or dawn to dusk with mm -hmm. my kids my car insurance my job my whatever how am I supposed to change anything for anybody else? And yeah, I have total empathy with that. Well, you even said you even said earlier again before recording that like not only does everybody feel stressed and maybe like they don't have the resources to take on something extra, but that a lot of us just imagine that we're being treated just as unfairly. Well, I think that yeah, that's the huge. I think that's the huge thing is life is hard. Yeah, for everyone, even rich people even privileged people, even people with power and means, life is is pretty much hard for everybody. Yeah. So I think anybody with any kind of privilege who doesn't see that privilege thinks, well, life is hard for me. I'm not, you know, how how is how is it not fair? Right. Quit complaining, stop looting. Right. And yeah. and Get up off your knee, Colin Kaepernick. You know, right. how dare you? Everybody's everybody's got it bad. Every yeah, I you know, I've got it bad. So we think like the however bad we have it, if we're not really looking carefully at what other people's experience is and studying history and studying yeah. the systemic problems that have created this yeah. divide. And the generations of, you know, laws. It, and it really is a two. Our curiosity really has to have two simultaneous prongs, paths, doesn't it? I'm just as you're talking about it, because uh -huh. as you're talking about it, I'm thinking about the video that we'll post in the show notes of the of the Atlanta police chief and how she waded into the crowd and, mm -hmm. and how she talked to them and what it starts off with. Or part of it is this young woman talking to she's, barely holding it together young black woman talking about how she has to check in on her friends every night to make sure they're okay and i'm like i don't have to that do they that. haven't been killed that, that day? they haven't been killed that day oh my that God. they haven't you know, yeah that yeah. is a pressure that middling white folk do not have no, I, don't, I don't and i think that's the thing is like on top of all of the pressures that we have we got to think about what must it be like if you don't know if you're coming back from the grocery store. Yeah. Right. You know, like right. you just got to go to work and come home, go to the grocery store, come home and you might get pulled over and you might not survive that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And as you know, it really hit me yesterday again, the Jane Elliott thing. I'd never, I'd heard her ask that question, you know, some years ago on, on that video. But today, yesterday, it finally like, oh, no, yeah, I really don't want to be a black man. Mm -hmm. And if I'd been a black kid growing up in Jerome, Arizona, my behaviors, entering empty houses. Yeah, everything that you actually did. Rolling stuff down hills. Would have been interpreted Rambling all over the place, playing war everywhere we went, shooting one another with toy guns. Um, I don't know that a Jerome Town cop would have shot me. But I know that I would have been in the principal's office 
all the yeah, time. Yeah, at school. Yeah, in Jerome, like everybody, you're everybody's kid in Jerome. Yeah. Everybody knows you, so yeah. maybe it wouldn't have been an issue. Yeah, in a place like that, which is basically just a neighborhood. Yeah, where but I know that the known, I know that the school, one the one African American kid growing up in Jerome, he did not have a good time. Really, I. I even know. even in Jerome, that is supposed to be more open and more diverse of mindset. Just and looking back, I just know that he was not happy and free. He was not carefree, and yeah. I don't know what was going on. Whether it was whether he was getting hassled in Jerome, whether it was just casual racism, or just there was nobody else like him. Yeah, that he felt alone. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to. I would not choose to be a black guy. It's just not. Not what I would want to do. But so that's one that's one fork of curiosity, right? Of like, mm-hmm. what is the individual lived experience like? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, well, what, and you mentioned this, like, what are the systems in place? Like redlining. Right, yeah, don't, I mean. Uh, it happened right up until 2008. In the 80s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah maybe. Oh. So redlining, for those that don't know, yeah. were like literal rules laws. in place, laws in laws. place about who could get what kind of mortgage in which neighborhood. And and if anybody's heard Cory Booker talk about his parents, the, his parents tried to buy a house in a neighborhood that they were not allowed to buy a house in. And they had someone else go and be their face yeah. and do the deal. And then they showed up to sign the papers and the 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 real estate agent or whoever was furious. I mean, you can, you can hear him tell that story. I've heard him tell it a couple of times and Mm. it's, you know, he's our age. Yeah. Right. 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 This is not some dim memory. Mm -mm. So yeah. So having the strength to have that curiosity on those two fronts Mm -hmm. and to be able to think about, okay, yes, my life, my life, my, as a white guy, my life is challenging. I don't always have all the money that I want. I don't have all the freedom that I want. I'm not on the top of the pyramid. Okay, now imagine not being able to get a loan. Imagine. Right, so your options are limited by the system that doesn't want you. Not being able to get decent health care. Just the fact that that medical research is done on the average white male body. Right. So that women and and people of color don't. Yeah, we are. You are all gambling. Yeah. When we take that med. And we're, yeah, anyway. Yeah, there's some, there's, yeah, there's like, (laughs) there's no way we can cover everything in this podcast. Yeah. And we are going to try, but we apologize for that because we're fired up. We're fired up and and we're, I'm, I'm just partway along my journey, right? Like I've just got. Well, we all are. Yeah. We all are. Well, and that's, that's the thing is, yeah, we're fired up and yeah, we want to scream and yell and and it it's so frustrating like i you know like i said i'm super frustrated and there's part of me that just cannot grasp why things are like they are and then there's another part of me that understands and we talked about that a couple weeks ago of the only way and if and if anybody is still hanging in there who is like horrified by what we're saying um thank you for hanging in there um the the only solution that I can see is to make a way for people who have been 
believers in in you know i i can't even say the things that that i want that i mean right now um is to make a way for people to come back to love mm. to come back to compassion to come back to brotherhood mm -hmm. to come back to community and to help them realize like this is the place to be yeah this is the place to be is here with each other and that it's a good place to be it's not I, people are scared white folk are scared they're scared of something that doesn't exist you know it's like they're they're mistaken yeah it's like i get it i get you know like our system that we have benefited from has been keeping black folk down for hundreds of years and you know they have every right to burn us down it would make sense if they did yeah and i get that but i have not known anybody who really wanted to do that they just people just want to live their lives and be left alone and be allowed to flourish be allowed to give their gifts yep be allowed to walk freely down the street listen to what they want to listen to wear what they want to wear that goes for everybody and that's yep. what america's supposed to stand for and it hurts my heart that that's not what america is <sighs> Yeah, we're going to take a little pause on that and imagine, imagine an America that creates opportunity, allows opportunity. That lives everybody. up to its promise. Yep. Yep. We'll be right back with the Rocket Feather podcast. We're going to come back with good news Yay. and hope. Yeah, so stick around. And some concrete thoughts about what we can do, us white folks can do to move forward. Welcome back to the Rocket Feather podcast. We're talking about the thing that has to be spoken of. Mm -hmm. The thing that has to be out in the open the fact that we're living in a country, in a world that does not treat people equally, a system that depends upon and feeds upon and perpetuates hierarchy and injustice and maltreatment, and that we're just seeing it. And one of the things that I'm actually finding some hope about, some, I think some good news is that we have to see it now. Black and brown voices in their glory and in their pain mm -hmm. are just visible. Uh, they're out there on Twitter. They're, they're in the news. The, the press has done, I think an amazingly powerful, brave job of covering what's been going on in the city streets. Um, people have been, uh, the, uh, Reporters have been getting shot with rubber bullets and gassed and arrested and and they're out there making sure that we can hear, like I said, the voice of that young woman crying yeah. in front of the Atlanta police chief yeah. saying, I can't keep having to check on my friends wondering if they're alive. Yeah, I can't keep having to do that. 
and those voices were not available to us the way they used the way they are now. Yeah. Even when even when I was growing up, but you know, in Jim Crow and and all that, people just you could not know what was going on for black and brown people in the past, unless you really went out of your way, and that's and that's one of our going to be our recommendations is like we in the privileged to more privileged positions white folks men we owe it to the folks who in less privileged positions to go out of our way to discover find listen believe mm-hmm. those voices to know that them. are out there to know them yeah and our lives are poorer without them frankly no oh, yeah and we we said before you know it's like prescott is lily white yeah i mean it isn't 100% but it it's a very white town yeah. in a pretty white state. Yeah, I think the county looking at the at the census statistics, it's eighty seven percent Caucasian. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little the percentages are probably a little bit different in the in the actual city of Prescott um, with the with the reservation here and with more Hispanic folks here. But we lost a ton. Of, we lost a ton of Hispanic folks uh, in two thousand eight when the economy fell down, and at mm-hmm. the same time, SB ten seventy the, right. the the terrible law given uh, uh, local police supposedly the right and responsibility to turn to look them at, in. Yeah, to look at uh, immigration papers and all that stuff. So we lost members of our community. Yeah, uh, when that happened, and I really like what this is a call back all the way to like episode seven or something when Jesse Hans was talking about homeless folks and her mission, her strong belief that our community is not healthy unless everybody is cared for. Mm -hmm. And that inclusive sense of community is, yeah, it's beautiful. I love it. I love it. And it's work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have to stretch as people in order to meet people who aren't like us in yeah. areas like this. I mean, yeah. in New York city, yeah, you know, you, you can't, everybody's in New York city yeah, and, and you are all crammed together on a subway car. Got well, not right now, but uh, you oh, know, God forbid under, under Nobody normal cough. times, yeah. it's like, you can't, the, every kind of food is there. You can, every kind of culture is there. And that's to me, that's, interesting and vital and alive and beautiful and i i don't have what it takes to live in a big city anymore i think there was a time when i would have liked that but um i did spend four months in london which i absolutely loved and part of it was that there's so many different kinds of people and but i don't know we've also read research and heard, you know, listen to podcasts about research that suggests that maybe people are actually wired differently mm-hmm. and that some people just can't handle complexity and, and we call it richness, Yeah, but it's, you know, some people are not wired to think of, of all of these different kinds of people and cultures and stuff as yeah. good. It's just, scary to their nervous system or something. Yeah. And I'll, I'll dig up some links to that research and put those Mm -hmm. in the show notes. Again, Terry Canefield talks about that stuff a lot. And I want to believe, I don't know it, but I want to believe that just because somebody's wired a little more tightly doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that they can't. Yeah. It should be impossible. Right. Right. And and we shouldn't run the country based on their wiring. Right. And I'm going to, I'm going to own it because I'm going to own some of it a little bit because I noticed 
that when we went to go do my TEDx talk mm-hmm. at um, Phoenix College, mm-hmm. Maricopa College? Phoenix College. Phoenix College, which is the in the Maricopa Community College system. There, we step out of the car in downtown Phoenix and on that campus in particular, there were a lot of people with really different skin color than me. Mm-hmm. And like one young woman we saw from afar who was just like, just jet black mm. and uh, another couple of people wearing wearing a uh, hijab and you know and I I felt I noticed mm-hmm. right don't believe everything you right you think. just because it comes up yeah. doesn't mean you I have noticed to... I noticed that it took uh, some energy right just to just to be in the presence I wasn't interacting with these kids I wasn't they weren't challenging me from being white. Right. Or I thought it was just weird being around young people. That too. That too. <laughs> but I just noticed that, that, that I felt an energy expenditure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe if I weren't there to like deliver a TEDx talk, maybe, maybe I would have been fine. But so I have some empathy for the idea that there's an effort to embrace richness. And I would Absolutely. not have, I would not have thought that about myself. I'm normally I'm like you know bring it on. Bring on the give, Ethiopian food. Give yourself bring on the, right, sure. Yeah, yeah. But give yourself a pass on that for as far as just experiencing it because I think that's fight or flight. I mean I think that mm-hmm. is like we are wired to notice what's different. Yeah. Right. Because we lived in tribal societies that that we had to notice what could be a threat. Yeah. And I think that that's where a lot of this bigotry stuff comes sure. from is is from that wiring. But we also know that's not all we are. Right. Right. We have that. Right. But we not. It's not that we are that. Right. But some we've people are huge, letting we've got themselves. This huge be lump that. of gray matter. Right. In front. Yes. We got the amygdala that's that's saying fight or flight. Right. It's small. Right. It has the advantage of sitting on top of a chemical factory and it can mm-hmm. juice us with all kinds of cortisol and adrenaline. Absolutely. But we've got this huge, beautiful lump of gray matter in and front of us. And we can learn. We can train ourselves yeah. to frame our experiences differently. Yeah. Can I talk about that wacko well, in Central Park yet? Or do that, I have this to wait? Seem, this seems like a good <laughs> I'm just laughing at that wacko in Central Park. No, yeah, yeah. I perfect just, segue. I just heard the the on a post reports yesterday, and and they played the call. And for those yep. of you who haven't heard it yet, uh, a white lady came upon a man who was Christian Cooper. Birding. Let's, say, let's say his yeah, awesome Christian name. Co- Cooper. Yeah. Um, a black man who was birding in Central Park. A blurred. She came upon a blurred. A, a black, black nerd, a black nerd, a black birder nerd. Yeah. And she flipped out basically. Yeah. And she had her dog was off the leash where her dog was not supposed to be off the leash. Right. And she threatened to call the police and thought he was attacking her. He was in the car. He taped it. Yeah. And th- I'm glad he did. I think black people need to have their cell phone at the ready all the time. But, you know, so he taped it. He was being polite and asking her to put her dog on the leash, which, you know, I totally get. He was worried about the ground birds. He was worried about the birds. In right. Central it wasn't Park. even like he was scared of the dog attacking him. He was worried about, you know, about the birds that he cared about. Yeah. And she flipped out and was threatening to call the police and she called the he's like please call the police and, which i think is very brave on his part but 
she calls the police and she's like, an African-American man is threatening me. He was not threatening her in yeah. any way. He asked her yeah. to put her dog on the leash and he was being incredibly calm, incredibly polite. Yeah. And she so was she fell going in, she fell into a trap. Bonker. She did fall into a trap. Like she believed what her mind said. Like she said, saw a black man and then the thought came up and the, the amygdala squirted some chemicals right. out. Right. And she didn't use the gray matter. Right. To override it and assess the situation more fully. Right. And go, oh, this guy is just a guy watching some birds and he's totally cool. Yeah. He's not, you know, and part of that. It's a whole other thing to just equate blackness with I'm going to get attacked. And she fell into, you were talking about this earlier, she fell into a trap that goes back several hundred years or a hundred years into, into Jim Crow and white womanhood being right. under threat by black savage manhood or right. whatever. Right. In the in the post report it was I'll have to find that episode so we can mm. put it in the show notes yeah. so people can listen to it if they haven't heard it. But the um the reporter played, you know, that part from the from the trial in To Kill a Mockingbird where Mayella Ewell accuses Tom Robinson of attacking her, you know, and it's just it's a, poor, a thing. A poor, a poor white woman yeah. framing framing a, a a poor black man. Right. Yeah. And it just, it's one of those things that's just, I, I, again, there's a part of me that gets it, the part of me that studies psychology and is very interested in science, yeah, understands some of what happened neurologically and, and sociologically, but there's a part of me that's just like, this woman freaked out for no reason. And then, you know, now her life is ruined. She got fired. Her dog's gone. She, I mean, she messed up. And, you know, if a man had done the same thing, you know, I don't know. You know, she was a woman, so she got, she got punished. Yeah. For messing up in a way, in, in a, a way that's kind of typical for a woman to get punished. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword. You know, she is the perpetrator and, and yeah, I, I, I don't know. She, she's paying real hard for messing up. Yeah. And the, yeah, she is. And she said, she, she said, I'm not a racist in, in her apology. And, you know, you sighed and shook your head and, and, and like, this is the new learning for us as white folks. It's like, I'm not a racist is not Yeah. We got to stop saying that. It's not a Just thing. Just stop saying it. Because in part, because it it denies a couple of things. It denies the lies that our brain is telling us, and it denies the the discrimination that just kind of happens automatically, like you said, like I said, and it denies the system. Yeah, right. Because the system. I mean, it's not like we're saying we're not at all saying that people should not have personal responsibility for what they do because they should. But the system is weighing on all of us and influencing all of us and influencing the outcomes of things in a way that, you know, there's none of us, just our own actions, you know, are not the whole picture. No, no. And we're I'm the beneficiary of hundreds of years of racist systems. Yeah. Like I am. We benefit every day. Every day. Just by being safe walking around this neighborhood, just not even getting looked at funny. In this yeah, we didn't earn that privilege. Which is unearned privilege. Yeah. So there's part of that. So it's like, I can't say I'm not a racist 
I can, I'm, what I have to say is like, we work really diligently not to be bigots. I work really diligently not to be bigots. And I, I work to uncover my own privilege and mm-hmm. be aware of it. And, you know, I'm just at the very beginnings of figuring out how to be a, a partner in anti-racist work. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just stumbling around trying to figure it out i put out a i put out a long twitter thread yesterday woo anti-racist work right out a twitter thread but even speaking yeah. up at all i mean it's it's right it's hard because you don't know what you're gonna get in and the chance that you know like we stipulated at the beginning we could put our foot in it at any moment and get some kind of blowback or either either from or people get trolled or get trolled yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. know i mean it's it's scary to wade in but i I think you and I both kind of got to that same place with this of like, we can't stay silent anymore. We can't, it cannot stand this. The system cannot just keep going the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how we've stood it as long as we have and how it hasn't been too painful for us before. Yeah. But it can't keep going like this we are not just again to paraphrase jesse hans we are not whole we are not whole until everybody's whole we are not free until everybody's free nope yeah and i think that's paraphrasing martin luther king jr dr martin luther king jr you know a thing but we said we said we were going to provide a little bit of hope and and we started off talking about like how how possible it is now to actually hear black and brown voices which means that we can help that helps uncover the the lies that my own brain is telling me and the lies that the system is telling me. And in what we're seeing, what I'm seeing uh, out in the, the blogosphere, the Twitter sphere, the social media scrum, there's plenty of trolling going on. But there's a lot of white people in particular standing up saying this isn't OK. Something that I saw maybe three days ago, somebody posted on Twitter you know, there are no there are no good cops until all cops call out bad cops. Wow. That and is I, so that, powerful. Yeah, that shocked me. That shocked me into my own like, oh. Oh, I had been kind of like a little bit like what happened with the not all men response to to the Me Too movement. Like it's not then we're not all bad. Like, right. We want to say not all cops are bad or not all white people are bad, but until all until all of us have the same reaction yeah. that you have, have the same, like, this has got to stop, then yeah, we're, we're, we're bad. Right. So we're supposed to be given the good news. Well, so the good- <laughs> wait, I've got, I just wanted to, yeah. to back up for two, two seconds. I just kicked the podcast under the desk. Oh my gosh. Don't wake him up. He'll start hollering. Yep. Um, so you told me this a while back and it makes a ton of sense to me and it makes me feel empowered actually if if you know on a on a you're walking down the street and you see somebody who's being harassed and and being given a hard time the the advice was you don't uh, confront the perpetrator you don't confront the bully you don't confront the person who is is aggressing against someone right you walk up to the person who is being the the target yeah. and say how can i help yeah and listen, and if do you they feel safe, do you, yeah. need, do you need me to escort you out? Yeah, of the can area? we walk away together? Right. right. And 
that kind of lets the air out of the situation for most people and and it's you don't need to get in a fight with it makes me feel empowered like maybe i could actually intervene because i think you know i'm a little woman i took judo a hundred years ago but i don't know enough to not get killed trying to you know help somebody out yeah but if you don't engage with the bully then you know it's just like we just walk away it kind of lets the air out of the tires a little bit and it it helps um it helps the person in a way that doesn't disempower them. You're just there with them and they get to decide what they want. Right. Um, right. And this morning I was thinking about that and I, but I was thinking like, what, how do you, how do you walk half the population of America away from the bully? Yeah. How do you scale it up? How yeah. do you stand with, half the population of this country and say, what can, you know, how can I help? What can I do? And so we obviously do not have a quick fix for that. We obviously do not have the answer for that, but we have some suggestions that maybe we can be in conversation with about. Yeah. 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 Well, I just want to give out those two examples because we talked Mm -hmm. about at the beginning of the show, like the example of Erica, I don't remember her name. Yeah, Chief Erica. Chief Erica Shields in Atlanta. Interesting name. Yeah, a video of her in the in the middle of, and she's a little woman too. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got her uniform on, but she's not wearing riot gear, and she's standing in the middle of a bunch of protesters in Atlanta, listening to them. And that's where I heard that yeah. woman say, "I have to check on my friends every right. night." And she listened, and she listened, and she listened, and. And another woman said, I know, you know, we're out here and, and I know we should be calm. And Chief Shield said, no, you shouldn't be calm. Yeah. So, uh, the empathy. Yeah. You shouldn't be calm. You should be angry. You are frustrated. You are scared. And just that permission to, to be, you know, cause we have asked people of color to take shit for so long and then not allowed them their anger, not allowed people to, you know, and then when they take to the streets, we mock them. Right. Right. And belittle them. And that's not, that's got to stop too. Yep. Yeah. A lot of people have been talking about, yeah. Colin Kaepernick took a knee and nothing changed. And you just like told him he was being ridiculous and fired him from the NFL. Well, now what? Yeah. What are we going to do? So there was that uh, ray of hope, and then uh, uh, sheriff in Michigan, in the in the Flint region of Michigan, Genesee County, Sheriff Chris Swanson, white guy, white sheriff, took off his helmet, had all of his officers put down their batons, and told the protesters there that he they he asked them, "What do you want me to do? Mm. How can I help? We wow. want to be here with you." So that he's doing that. They're doing that. Yep. They're doing what I suggest, you know, yep. what I, the, in my question, right. what do we right. do? How do right. we do that for half the country? Right. They're actually doing that. Right. And the, you know, the, 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 the political courage of both of those people. And again, this is, you know, this is a little fraught cause I'm like lifting up white examples of blah, blah, blah. But this is, this is a podcast that is mostly heard by white folks. We're white folks. So this is like, this is kind of where it's. And if Where you are a happen. person of color listening to this podcast, we would love to talk to you. Sure, sure. And hear your story and help you tell your story. Absolutely. And and 
share what you want to share. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so they both, you know, we can talk maybe a little bit when we talk about frapping about the, you know, the slight mistakes that, that mm-hmm. they could, they could have done. Yeah. It wasn't perfect, but it was, oh, it was such a great first step of, yep. it just, I felt like such a huge relief and, and expansion of my heart yeah. of, of police showing up and being there for the people who needed them yeah. instead of beating them down right. and, and making them wrong and making them uh, once again, you know, making yeah. them wrong. Yeah. And it makes me again, think about Jane Elliott. The, the phrase that she uses so frequently is black citizens. And the fact that yes. that sticks out, the fact that that phrase sticks Taxpayers. out for me. Yeah. That, okay. That means that my brain's got some racism in it. Like the fact mm-hmm. that the fact that that phrase, black yeah, that citizens, you notice it at all. It yeah. shouldn't, shouldn't have to notice right. it at all. And you were, and you're absolutely right. Those that elected sheriff, mm-hmm. that, that sworn in police right. chief, they are to serve everybody. Uh, everybody. Yeah. 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 All citizens, all citizens. Yep. Yep. And the citizens who were most aggrieved, you know, this kind of goes back to that concentric circle, right? The citizens mm-hmm. who were most aggrieved, most in pain mm-hmm. in that moment were the, in particular, the young black citizens of Atlanta, the young black citizens of, of Flint, Michigan. And so they, they, those, those officials, those, yeah, representatives of the state mm-hmm. did the right thing and poured empathy and support in. Yes. Instead of oppression and and repression in yeah yeah it was amazing yeah and it's just a model for what needs we need more of yep and and the more we do it the better we'll get just like we were always saying on a personal level about frapping and all of that yep and the new strength skills the more you practice it the more you do it the more willing you are to be vulnerable and show up and try the stronger you get, the better you get at it, the more able we are all able, you know, the more we are all able yeah. to hold someone else's difficult and complicated truth. Yeah. And strong emotion. <sighs> Let's take another little pause and imagine feeling strong. Thanks for listening to the Rock and Feather podcast. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about what it takes to be an American citizen in this tumultuous time. Not only do we have a pandemic killing folks in particular, killing black and brown folks, not only do we have an economic crisis that's just beginning. Yeah. And we'll be on the scale of the Great Depression. Somebody, yeah, we've got, uh, we've got 1918 combined with 1929 combined with 1968. It's like, oh my gosh. All, all, all of the, the all. <laughs> exciting and colorful and in wackadoo times yeah if we can please avoid a world war let's just like uh, keep yeah, 1942 like yeah. yeah way in the way on the back burner let's yeah. not have that 
Um, Rule of threes. Yeah. But Kelly was alluding to before we took the little break to sigh and wipe our eyes, talking about the, the, this connection between old strength and racism and how we can develop new strength. And those of you who've seen the TEDx talk or, you know, read any of my blog posts recently know my, just this obsession I have with helping folks, men in particular, discover how to be strong in a way that serves us men and serves women and serves the community, serves children, serves marginalized people, oppressed people. All of life. All of life. Because the old strength, the, is, it kind of comes from what you were talking about earlier about that kind of tribalism of like, that snake bad, that snake good, my tribe good, your tribe bad, the kind of the amygdala based mm-hmm. strength that maybe was necessary for us to get to the point where we're shooting rockets at the moon or whatever. But, um, the that old strength really relies on hierarchy and oppression. Mm-hmm. We know we're strong and safe when somebody else is less well off. Like that's how the that's how the old strength operates. We know we're safe when we're in the in group, and we define the in group by having an out group. There right. has to be an out group, whether that's women, whether that's children, people from another tribe, people from another religion. There has to be an out group. So that we can have win-lose scenarios. And so we have somebody to blame when the crops fail. Oh, yeah. And those, you know, all of those kind of win-lose scenarios get codified into the into systems like racism, mm-hmm. like homophobia, like misogyny. So then systems are great because they make things more efficient. Right. Ugh, I'm being, that was my sarcastic font. Uh, uh, <laughs> I love systems. Sure. I'm, sure. I'm a big fan of systems, but... You know, it that's the the downside of systems is they are like gears. They're more powerful. They make what you put in, they multiply. Yeah. And if the system is built on on disenfranchising people and you know purposefully making rules that make it harder for some people to own property and have decent health care. Yeah. Um, then they are exponentially more powerful. Yep. And they and spread this, across the country and the world. And this is that system is not working. It's very efficient. It multiplies power. Absolutely, that's a mm-hmm. wonderful way or terrible or yeah. apt. It's a really apt yeah. way to put it. But it's not working. You know, just no. it's making. It's not sustainable. It's making that young lady in front of the police chief cry. It's making you cry. It's making me cry, and it's killing people. And it's waste and talent, as you said. It's a, it's not working as a system, and it's not going to work. We can't. What are we going to do? We're going to be South Africa. Is yeah. That, you know. As, I mean, yeah, that's one solution. And you know, at least they were honest about their racism. Unlike America, that still has this, you know, land of the free bullshit. Yeah. That you know is like has the effect of gaslighting people. Of like, yeah, you're free. You should be fine. You should be grateful. Um, but yeah, not really. I'm not saying we should be like South Africa was under apartheid because that was awful, obviously. But the fact that we are not as honest about the situation in this country as we could be is it's another it's it's another block to us getting through it and, and finding a better solution. Yeah, absolutely. So what is the new strength, right? The new strength is relies on win-win situations, power with other people, 
It relies on inclusion, building comradeship, building collective power together. So we feel safe when everybody's included. Right, because the thing with with uh, the old way of like you you belong to the in group. Like how many how many teen movies have we seen about cliques and stuff? It's like oh you're you feel the like one kid is on the out group and then suddenly they're on the in group and you feel awesome because you're finally accepted. Yeah, and then like the tides change and you're out again. It's implicit in belonging in a society that is based on win-lose yeah. that at any moment you could be out. Right. And that is this low-grade terrifying yeah. because our lizard brains still remember when to be out meant we are dead. Oh. We had to stay in the group to stay alive. It's existential. Existential. Banishment is known as one of the worst punishments. Yeah. And so to live in a society that is based on win-lose means that everybody has to have this low-grade terror. Existential dread all the time. All the time. And that goes back to what you were talking about earlier about how people, white people think, well, I have it hard. Everybody has it hard. And it's true. We do mm-hmm. all have it hard because we're all in that crappy yeah. system. Well, some it's of just us, like some of us yeah. have it even worse. Well, yeah, it's we are always talking about the patriarchy and how the patriarchy is bad for men. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's yeah. not just bad for everybody else. It's bad for men. It's, no, we're all on a greased ramp. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's uh, just the most anxiety inducing yep. situation that we could ever cook up for ourselves. Yeah. So, yeah, what would it be like to indulge, to create, to create systems that support the new strength, to create systems mm-hmm. that support inclusion, win-win opportunities, and, and you know, that encourage actual vulnerability. You know, part of, the, mm-hmm. part of what old strength relies on is the ability of folks to hide themselves in order to stay in the in-group. Right. To just lay low and not go against the tide. And, and that I'll be honest, that's one of the things that scares me about speaking up is I don't feel like, you know, I don't want to incur wrath. Right. I surely don't. Yeah. But so this is this is an act of vulnerability for this you, is, this podcast. Yeah, this is. But I, could, I can't not. Yeah. I finally am at that place where I can't not. Right. And I always feel such relief and freedom and and yesness when i hear you know the late night shows speaking up you know trevor noah speaking up john stewart speaking speaking up john oliver you know god bless him the rants (laughs) the rants of of these guys i you know i love because i feel like they're speaking truth to power yeah and I've been afraid to speak truth to power. And, you know, who knows? It doesn't go the same for everybody. But, you know, the pod save guys speaking truth to power yeah. and punching up and not punching down. Yeah. 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 And it's scary. And it's, and it's, a, it's a willful setting down of privilege. Like part of privilege is just stay silent, stay safe. Right. And the other thing is that just popped into my head is like, there's no guarantee that just because you speak up or I speak up or anybody speaks up that you're going to be understood. Yeah. You know, it's like somebody could hear the tone of my voice and my anger and my frustration 
and not really hear my heart and not really hear that what is under that is I want everybody to be safe. I want everybody on this planet to get to give their gifts and get to love their families and get to be, you know, have a home and have meaning and purpose and live a sustainable life. That's my, that's my wish. Yep. And my prayer is for every person to get to realize their potential and to have, you know, the the basics of life and to not, you know, not be sold into sexual slavery as a eight year old and not to be made to go to war and not, you know, I mean, the horrors abound. They're, they're all over. And I want every single person to to feel loved and to be part of something meaningful and joyful and to be kind to the planet. Right. And some folks can can dismiss that beautiful want as as childish or and it simplistic is, and it or it is childish and that's for me that's what makes it beautiful like cuz that's my child wants that as well. My inner yeah. child wants it as well. And my inner child needs to be integrated. Your inner child, mm-hmm. all of our inner children and all of that desire for love and community and inclusion and fairness that needs to be integrated at an adult level. Right. Because it's not, it's a, it's the only worthy goal. When we shove it down, that's part of old strength. Old strength is yep. includes repression yep. of that, of that absolutely justified, even rational loving desire. Yeah. Because it's really freaking hard when we open ourselves, when I open myself to the pain, again, of that mm-hmm. woman crying because she can't, she has to check on her friends all the time. When I open myself up to that, how am I going to be happy and content? Yeah, exactly. We can't have, and that's the thing. It's like we cannot be joyful and abundant knowing that other people are suffering and we do nothing. Yep. And I've hidden from it most of my life. You know, we talked about it with Jesse and and yep. on the all the work that she's doing to end the homelessness in this town and I drive by, I drive by people and I can't deal. Yeah. I don't know what to do to help. Yeah. I don't know what to do to end racism in America. Yeah. But we do have some ideas of how to begin this giant issue and problem, um, you know, and we're talking to the middling white folk. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we want to hear from from people who identify as, as something else. Mm-hmm. We would love to hear from you, but we are we are talking to the people who are like us, who would love for things to be different, but don't know what to do. Right. And some of it starts very basically. And you've got some really, really basic recommendations that, you know, maybe some people aren't doing already, but or maybe they just need some some props for for actually doing it. Right. Already. Yeah. And we we kind of have talked about this one a little bit before of of. Well, number one, don't be afraid of black people. Just don't. <laughs> and if you if if that seems like a stretch for you, what you know, get to know them. Get to know them in whatever way you can. And if the safe way 
if you know you haven't ever met a black person, watch some black TV. Watch Atlanta. Watch Blackish. Watch you know. Yep. Watch a show that is not the Cosby Show, <laughs> because they are basically not black. Yeah, and yeah, and I and I, t- and I I know I probably can't say that, but I was listening to uh, Kenya Barris talk about the Cosby Show yesterday. He was being interviewed by Mark Marin, and he wrote Blackish, and he's got a new show out. And I haven't seen Blackish, but we watched Atlanta. And we are we worship at the feet of Donald Glover, so yeah. Um, there's that for whatever it's worth, but um, but yeah, I I'm basically quoting uh, quoting Kenya on that assessment of the Cosby Show, and I hope I got it right. But but, um, but reading media, you know, diversify podcasts, diversify our income. Yeah, our, yeah. I mean, I you know what popped up for me thinking about books. I hey, read the color purple. I mean, it's really accessible, and if you don't come away from that feeling connected to those characters and that world. I don't have a whole lot of hope for you. I don't, it's, read it. It's one of the best <laughs> yeah. books in the world. Watch the movie if you can't read the book. Um, That's a different world yeah. than it is today, but, you know, those are some real people with just heart and soul and, and, yeah. you know, and, and give, give the book to somebody else, right? right? It's like, you know, if you feel like you're a little bit further along, you know, have in, in, in your journey, have a book club, watch the color purple with, with some other folks. My, f- my friend Shona Patel wrote a book. Yeah. She's got a couple of novels out. She's um, from her family is from India. Uh, Tea time for the firefly is a really lovely novel about uh, a young woman in India in the forties and, and what her life was like. Um, just get to know yeah. people from all around. I can't, that's just what I, I want to know everybody all around the world. Like I, I don't know. I don't understand people who don't want to know. I have a feeling you're going to fit. You're going to finish recording this podcast. I'm worried you're going to finish more distraught than you started. It's I like might. I'm, just get, this, I'm still just getting this, amped up. Yeah. Just this, I'm hearing in your voice, this fierce confusion. <laughs> yeah, it is. Fierce. That's a really good way of putting it. Like why, 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 why? It's, yeah. Yeah. There's lots of reasons. And I think, Taking on some literature, taking on some podcasts. We're going to put a link in the show notes to uh, a Google resource guide. Yeah, you found for, a really good resource. Have, very, Googling is very easy, man. Oh my it gosh. doesn't take any. It was the second thing I chose. So it's anti-racism resources for white people. It's a list of podcasts, uh, books, movies, um, people to follow on on Instagram and Twitter. Nice. So yeah, expand. We can expand our horizons and again. Like if you feel like you kind of got this already, I know some of our audience does. Pass the, pass that list on to other people. Repost it and, on your social media. Yeah, Get it out and, there. and uh, share your suggestions with us in the community group. Mm, that'd be great. Rocket Feather Community Lab, because we we're gonna we gotta talk about this, people. Yeah, we have got to talk about this. And so uh, if you've got ideas that we don't have on our list we want to know yeah so the the other thing that we want to recommend is going back a little bit to just don't believe everything you think and in particular this this i love let's see how can i put this i know that there are a ton of traps out there for me as a white man there are a ton mm-hmm. of sort of like cognitive There's emotional a, traps a hundred piles of shit with your name on them that's not pr- how i really <laughs> want to think about it right now but thank you um <laughs> 
but that they're easy ways for me to fall into behaving or thinking Mm -hmm. that they're almost programmed. And I resent them when I, when I'm aware of them, I resent them because I don't want to be programmed. I want to be authentic, right? Authentically myself, authentically aware. So like a particular trap that I, I can fall into really easily is not believing women. We've talked about this before on this podcast, not believing Kelly. That is not yeah, a just choice. dismissing people out, out of hand. Not believing listening. black people, not yeah. believing. Yeah. And it's, it's, I realized that or it's excusing, you know, it's like there's, there's dismissing and then there's like excusing it away of like, you know, explaining it away. Sure. It's like. Sure. Can I mean, we and just I learned listen? It, I learned it from older people. Yeah. Like, oh, I yeah. learned it as a child people from older do, people. Adults do that to children. Right. Right. So that's not what it seems like is a rational response, like in the moment. But that is a trap. That is a mm-hmm. programmed response that is not offering me freedom. It's offering me a temporary sense of security. So those kinds mm. of traps, the, the, trap, the, the trap that Amy, Amy Cooper fell into in Central Park, she fell into that trap of like white woman versus black man. Right. She did not engage her. Yeah, because that wasn't real. Like whatever right. was going on in her head was not real. Yeah. It was not based on what was actually happening in the moment. It was right. this story that she was overlaying that hundreds on of years the, old. That's yeah. The, it's that's, not even her story. It's, it's not, not her story. I don't know where she got it. Yep. But we, you know, that's like those thoughts that pop up in my head all the time. It's like, ooh, you know, that's not re. It's learning to recognize when those things pop up. And I like that. I like Charles that you think about it like a trap, like you know, like a little mouse trap, like one of those little wooden mouse traps, and it's set. Yeah. And are you gonna go for that cheese? Or are you going to say that is a trap? I, I don't need it. I don't right. need and it. And just like a just like a leg trap, it like it pins me. Yeah. It keeps me from being free if if I give into it. So mm-hmm. I have to be made aware of them. And, and I get made aware of them by doing the kind of reading and, and thinking that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel pride. Mm-hmm. I feel I hope it's new strength, but I feel pride when I notice the trap and I avoid it. Right. It takes work. Yeah. But I feel badass when I do it because I get to be, again, I get to be free and I get to be loving and I get to be authentic rather than programmed. So mm-hmm. just, you know, don't believe everything you think. Um, pay attention to pay attention to that white rescue is a trap that's easy to fall into. We may be indulging in it on this podcast. Exactly. I'm not sure. Um, the idea that on the, it, and it's tricky right now because we even said at the beginning and that white people need to fix this. And really what we should be saying is we need to fix our shit. Yeah. We need to fix our shit. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then collaborate and be willing to, to listen and not try to do for people. Yep. What they don't want done. Right. Right. So we talked about how, um, the police chief in Atlanta and the sheriff in Michigan did amazing work. And in both cases, yeah. they both indulged a little bit in kind yeah. of white rescue. Like There are these little, little cringy moments yep. in amongst the really yep. good stuff. Yep. So uh, Erica Shields, the police chief in Atlanta, you, you won't see it in the video that I found to post, but 
in in one of the videos where she's just opening herself up and being mm-hmm. really empathetic and a woman is coming at her crying um she reaches out twice and kind of puts her hands she puts both or she, like she grabs both of her shoulders and i was just like ooh, don't hold you know yep. don't put your hands on yeah and i and i and you can see that the that kind of shuts down the woman who, yeah. who she kind of touches it, the the, the physical t- message was a little bit like don't cry Instead right. of like earlier, she had just been like, yeah, you, you know, it's it makes total sense that you're angry and that you're whatever. But that that gesture, that physical gesture felt a little bit like, please yep. don't. And it's, you know, it comes off as, you know, it starts maybe as an attempt to hug or comfort, but underline mm-hmm. it. Maybe, you yeah. know, maybe the tra- maybe the trap that, that uh, Chief Shields was falling into was uh, a white rescue as an attempt to, to, to comfort, but also... Mm-hmm just an attempt to calm yeah. down and I which you know if you're standing in a group of any any big group of emotional people it's that can be scary for sure for sure um and the other you know the kind of the trap that um that uh uh the sheriff uh fell into in in Michigan a little bit is he said I I I want this to be a parade let me let me join you you tell me how I can help mm-hmm. I want this to be a parade not a protest so he asked them what they wanted right. but then, then he, he told, them, told what them what he wanted yeah and the idea that it shouldn't be a protest yeah i mean parades are wonderful and there can be a right par- yeah we're not know. ready to have a parade yet i don't think so don't yeah think so. we gotta we i wasn't gotta, there maybe it yeah. ended up i mean the, the video that i saw you know it looked like a parade it looked like it was great but but to say you know not a protest of course there yeah. needs to be a protest the the grieving has not ended right you know that's kind it's similar it's related to the trap of i don't see color yeah, yeah, because right. that's like, bullshit. Because that's bullshit. Because it's like to not see color is to deny racism. Is to deny how this country is. Actually yeah, that's structured. like telling telling people of color that their struggles and the 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 terrible things that have happened are just like not really true. Or yeah, yep. I don't know. It's so you might. I just want to do a couple more of these real quick. Just like you may hear in your own head. Why are they looting? Mm-hmm. Or why can't we all just get along? Or look at those crazy people that are tearing down their own neighborhood. And, yep. you know, it's just like. That's programming. Yeah. That's not curiosity. Right. So, and it's re- curiosity is hard. It takes energy. It takes time. We're just encouraging everybody to when that, when those thoughts come up, when those, those are traps, those are, that's programming. Right. And if you really want to be free, if you really want to be a free thinker, help each other spend the time to be curious about that. Huh. I wonder what's going on there. And in fact, some of this quote unquote rioting, there's a fair bit of evidence that some of it is being generated by white supremacists and other outside groups that are actually breaking the windows that are actually starting the violence. And we're not going to know for sure. It's going to take a lot of investigation. We're not going to know for sure who and what started the violence. So, if we can maintain curiosity as much as possible, as challenging as it is. Right. I mean, that's <sighs> that's the job of any good investigator is to not make, form conclusions ahead of time. So I know that's super hard. Yeah. We love to we love certainty. We are creatures yeah. that love certainty. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one of the other tips we have down on here um, is about working to be an ally. And we kind of talked about this, educate yourselves, let's help each other, share those resources, continue to talk it through. And the pro tip is 
you don't get to decide whether or not you're an ally. Right. Ouch. I, I don't get to decide. I can call myself a feminist. Right. But I don't get to decide whether or not I'm truly an ally for women. I don't get to decide. I don't get to label myself an ally for black people. That's going to take a lot of trust building. Ally, alliances take a tremendous amount of trust building. Yeah. And there's no reason for black folks to trust right. a random white dude. No reason. Yep. Yep. So that's uh, that's why we're talking here. Not necess- not to build trust necessarily, but to yeah, just escape those traps. And uh, we're gonna get just a tiny bit political here. Yeah. Well, I I I don't care what party you vote for, but vote for people who will make better laws and enforce fair laws fairly. Um, vote for people who value everyone and will fight for human rights. Um, yeah, pay attention to those local and state races, county races, um, county attorney, county sheriff, state attorney general. Those are the offices that have a big impact on what goes on with people in our community and yep. your community, wherever you are. They have a lot of say on how justice is actually administered and mm-hmm. where resources go. And I left it off the list, but, uh, you know, superintendent of public instruction. Like, right. Absolutely. Kathy Hoffman has made a huge difference in this in this state making speaking out for more inclusive education. Absolutely. Vote for people who look out for everybody and vote for the kind of pe- people who will wade into a crowd and listen. All right. We're almost done. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. We're going to take a little pause come back with the end of the show Alrighty, if you're still here you're a champ that's all i'm saying we very much appreciate you the audience and you know we're putting this out there obviously this is you know, partly for us to just... We are processing. We are processing, and we very much appreciate you being a witness to our processing. Witnessing is so... It's sacred. It is sacred. It is sacred. So thank you for for that. And we, even though we don't hear you right now, we are here for you. We know that you... We know our audience well enough to know that you are... Big hearted and connected and concerned about these issues of compassion, inclusion, and justice. And so we know that you are probably, what did I say? You're fiercely, fiercely Fiercely confused. Fiercely confused. Yeah, I am not alone in my fierce confusion, I am guessing. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for being part of this community. And we'd love to. hear from you more in the in the rocket fair the community lab and kelly i'll talk about that in a second just want to mention real quick as we wrap up upcoming for us the prescott woman podcast the inaugural episode is coming out june 7th and that's all about prescott strong and how prescott responded to the covid crisis or at least the first wave of that the trailer will be out tomorrow yay yay and we're very excited to announce that next week's Rocket Feather podcast episode will be featuring an interview with Matt Ruff, who's a buddy of mine from college from way back, who's a uh, award-winning science fiction, speculative fiction, fiction author who wrote a book called Lovecraft Country, which is coming out as an HBO show sometime soon. I don't know if there's a release date for that. And whose most recent book, 88 Names, is a really 
fascinating exploration of virtual reality and North Korea, mm. sort of. So check that out. Um, I think we're going to talk a lot about Lovecraft Country, which is about black people's experience in Jim Crow oh and more recent times. Yeah, yeah. I drew, that that book is short stories, and I read the first one, which is Lovecraft Country, and it was incredible on a bunch of different levels and definitely oh, incredibly good and difficult. Yep. And if you like Stephen King, yep. kind of suspense, creepy suspense, yep. but but really good writing, you would really like it. Yeah, it's not called Lovecraft Country for nothing. Yeah, that's true. Show up next week for that interview with Matt Ruff. Very exciting. Also, we are bringing back the Nominate a Zokni program. Some of my crazy critters that I've been making, we are going to give one away every week to someone you nominate. We will collect all the names and draw one out of the hat, as it were, and send a Zokni to someone either you admire who's kicking ass and taking names uh, in some way, helping their communities, or someone who really could use a weird little friend. Yeah, Zokni are emotional support sock monsters, and this week's Zokni nominee is Jeremy. Jeremy? Isn't it Jeremy? I thought it was um, Barney. Barney. Sorry, I mix up Jeremy and Barney. Yeah, Barney's a, a seven-inch tall dum-dum. We'll put a link to his oh, he's so photo. dear. He's so dear. And uh, just Barney's backstory is he was told more than once to shut up. So he pretty much tries to do that. But sometimes he hums when no one's around. Oh, Barney breaks my heart. Yeah. So he knows, you know... You know, each Zokni has his own personality, and they're not going to judge anybody for their quirks. And they're they can such be total, good friends. total support buddies in these uh, fiercely confusing times. Fiercely confusing, absolutely. So you get to feel good if you are uh, your nominee is chosen, and we get to feel good, and everybody gets to share that experience. So, and you can nominate somebody through any of our social media channels. Yeah, just just, get in touch. And just give us their first name to start off as a nomination. We'll draw their name from a hat next Saturday, and uh, then we'll contact you for more information about how to get that get that emotional support sock monster to your your nominate T. Nominee. Nominee. That's there is a word for there that. is a word. All right, let's wrap this thing up. It is now safe, ish, to unstrap and leave the rocket and go out in the world and do the best good that you can. Until yeah. next time. This is Charles Matthews and Kelly Robert wishing you a courageous journey into real belonging. We love you.